0: Welcome to the Mind and Body Strong podcast, a place for women to redefine their relationship with food and their body, tune into their inner wisdom, and become the best version of themselves. My name is Katie Pijanowski, and I'm an anti-diet and body image coach, certified personal trainer, and lover of all things travel, brunch, and personal growth. Join us each week as we share insightful conversations with guest experts, along with my own personal stories and teachings, that aim to help you reconnect your mind, body, and spirit while releasing old beliefs, dogma, and expectations that no longer serve you. Each episode is packed with nuggets of wisdom that are sure to leave you feeling inspired, challenged, and empowered to take action in your own life. Shy away from tough topics? No way. In this space, we welcome things including mental health, sex, diversity, eating disorders, weight stigma, and all that comes with having a human experience. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me, so grab a notebook, pen, and some headphones, and let's dive in. Hey, hey, my friends. It is episode one. 10. I cannot believe it. This is so exciting. I love to see this podcast grow and to continue to bring on more and more amazing conversations and guests. And today is no different. Today, I'm bringing to you my friend, Jessica Hammock, who I actually met through a networking group that I'm a part of here called Polka Dot Powerhouse. And we had an incredible lunch get together and she was explaining to me all the work that she does and how she was able to really get into that. And I just was so so amazed with the way that she was able to talk about really hard topics like trauma in a way that was so accessible. So I want to read you her quick bio before we get into this episode. So Jessica Hammack has a master's of science in counseling from Texas A&M Commerce. She's a licensed professional counselor, certified school counselor, and certified trauma specialist. She currently serves as the Director of Behavioral and Mental Health for Responsive Education Solutions Charter School, one of the largest charters in Texas, with over 75 campuses across the state. She also is the founder of Vibrant Voice, a private practice that meets with clients of all stages of healing. Jessica is passionate about emotional wellness. She endeavors to teach others about emotional health, empowers them to break free of what is holding them back and connects them with their voice of freedom. And I just love her enthusiasm and the way that she was able to break down some of these things like trauma and how those things happen and define them so simply in a way that we can understand, which I think trauma can be something that can feel really hard to talk about. And Jessica just brings it with such this powerful voice and these amazing visuals to really help you understand what it is and also the ways that you can also help to heal it. So I'm so excited for this conversation today and let's jump in to the episode. Okay, welcome to the Mind and Body Strong podcast, Jessica (laughs) Hammock. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Yay, super excited. So for my audience out there, you would have already heard the introduction, but Jessica and I are connected through a group that we're a part of here in Dallas called Polka Dot Powerhouse. And I got the amazing opportunity to get to sit down with her for lunch and just hear all about her, her story into like the work that she gets to do. And I was just so like, just like just so just so excited about how she was describing it and the way that she knows how to just navigate trauma which I think is something that I'm really interested in learning about um and so I'm just really excited to have you to to share about that today so welcome
1: (laughs) thanks Thanks for being here um I I definitely get on these conversational kicks and I get so passionate about it. And then I'm like, okay, scale yourself back, Jessica. (laughs) Everybody's ready for that level, but I'm I'm ready for
0: all the level. Yes. Yes. Turn it up. (laughs) But I'm sure, um, and I want to hear like your full story too, but for my audience so that we can get everything started, I'd love for you to share a little bit about you and your background and how you got into doing the work that you're doing. And we'll go from there.
1: Definitely, you know, some people I think start out in life with this great like mindset of like this is where I want to go and this is the career path I want to be on. My life um, sort of had that. I actually just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I didn't want to actually work or do anything else. Just want to have kids and hang out. Um, life said, "Yeah, no, right, not right now for <laughs> a while, actually." Um, and so, but what I realized along the way, so I grew up in a pretty conservative, religious, faith-based family, and. Um, there were a lot of expectations on me and what I kind of picked up later looking back was that it really wasn't so much about the faith or the religious side of things, but um, I, I, more about my personality mm-hmm. and my personality and, and studying stuff now looking back, I'll say that I sustained a lot of emotional damage and trauma mm-hmm. to who I was and and basically my identity Mm -hmm. And so that stored in my mind as something that said that I was bad or wrong, wasn't good enough, didn't have the right pieces, all that stuff, which led me to pour myself into education and doing something or learning something. Like if I can achieve this thing, then I will be good enough. You know, all those mantras that we actually pick up along the way because of somebody else's expectations. Yeah. But uh, so that led me to um, deciding to be a teacher at first I was in education and um, transitioned here to Texas for a while and was having a hard time getting a job and so I ended up working with kids from the perspective of sort of like social emotional aspect and what I would see is this huge gap between students and kids learning and how that all these emotional aspects of their life stood in the way of them being successful at learning. Mm. And I was like, oh man, this is like really hard for teachers. Like I'm I'm looking at it from a different lens and they just don't have the capacity to, to approach all that. They don't have the training. Mm-hmm. So I began to branch out into that level of kind of education and working through things. And then I sustained some pretty big things that I went through in my life, um, my husband had experienced a traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. and, you know, we experienced several losses in our fertility journey, some things like that. So I did whatever any normal person would do with all of that and went back to school <laughs> instead <laughs> of saying like, Hey, I need to take care of myself. I'm like, no, let's not even think about that. Yeah. And, um, started to begin to learn more about the emotional side of things and how we process and, use that kind of logic side of my brain to sort of help heal myself, which didn't work so well. I finally ended up having sort of like an emotional breakdown and turned into a really hot mess. And my body got really sick. Uh, Mm -hmm. Physically, I got really, really sick to the point where I was almost like, I had several doctor consults, and um, different things like that, and felt like, They were basically saying, you're at the point where we're going to admit you to the hospital and put you on a bunch of IVs to keep you alive. And that was sort of a real wake up call for me. Like, okay, clearly there's a lot of undealt with stuff and undealt with things to show up in our lives in a bunch of different ways. And at that point, I kind of took a different approach to say, I I need to figure out where I went wrong in life, where I showed up wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. What I ended up discovering was kind of this idea of who I actually was in this world, what I show up as, and really learning about relationships, trauma, stored beliefs, thoughts, all those things. Mm -hmm. So I am a licensed counselor now because as a result of all that, but I really focused a lot on trauma. So I got a a special, um, a certification as a trauma specialist Mm -hmm. and began to really step back and say, oh my gosh, what in the world, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it helped me kind of, first of all, release a lot of stuff that I'd picked up that wasn't true. And then also just process all the places in my life where I experienced so much hurt and pain. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at a place where, you know, I really want to help other people have that perspective and understanding so that they can release things and expectations they hold on themselves and moving forward. I spend a lot of time working with students in school, but young women, because I find so much that we all have experienced something that is traumatic to us, which I can talk about the definition of trauma. It's different Mm -hmm. than what most think, Mm
0: -hmm. but,
1: um, I see it so much in women, in our beliefs about ourselves and how we function. It's like this mirror, this glass, these glasses that we wear that we put on and it filters our perspective of how we interact with people in life and how we do things. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we don't even realize, you know, that we get to take the glasses off and we can heal. We can be whole, we can be healthy Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: that whatever we've experienced doesn't have to be the definition by which we continue to
0: operate. Mm -hmm. Oh oh my gosh. I love all of this. I'm like over here writing a page of notes already because I just love how (laughs) the progression of your your journey went and all of the little different moments that you were able to, to highlight there. One in particular that I want to go back to is like what kind of led you into working with, with kids in like their emotional, noticing the emotional needs. It sounded like there was this belief system that was early on of like, I am bad and wrong. I'm not enough. And that led to, okay, I'm going to pour into education. And I can totally relate to that because it's something that I did. I was like, Oh, I'll just continue to learn, 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 learn (laughs) logic, my way through life.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, (laughs) at the older I got and the more I sustained more pain and, and struggle. Yeah. And then I started to have this transition of learning some healthier things, some healthier coping skills, or some just a different perspective of processing. I'm like, I really wish that I would have had this at this age and at mm-hmm. this grade when I went through this, man, that would have been so helpful to know then. Yeah. And that's kind of why I chose initially to start out in that educational space. Cause I thought, if I can give kids these tools, mm-hmm. how much further can they get than I did? And I, I recognize now that even that was leading myself in a direction from a wrong perspective. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have all those things. Okay. But at the same time, I would love to interact with kids for them to know and understand truth that I never had access to in terms of resources or teaching or training. And the world has definitely come a, a much longer way and saying, okay, everybody needs to be aware of this stuff. Now. Like trauma has definitely transitioned to be so much in the buzz word categories of all that we talk about. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think it's still so new that it's like, throwing around a language to fit in without really understanding how to walk it out and how to use skills and tools and perspectives to be successful and release things. And so that's just kind of what started me on the process. And then when I was in the early days of my teaching, it was like some days I'm like, why are we even doing math today? Because we're not going to accomplish math and i began to see more and more students experiencing those outbursts of behavior and breakdowns and i'm like this is not a behavior management issue this is truly a heart issue that they're in a lot of pain and so it doesn't matter how amazing i am at teaching math if if i am not willing to engage with them engage with them at the level of their pain and try to provide some support for that math is irrelevant
0: oh i love i love that you really recognize that. And it's it's something that I think hope like at least what I'm witnessing is that the world is coming around to that realization. But man, like I wish I had that kind of tools like when I was younger, because that emotional need was never filled. And it just felt so confusing and so overwhelming. And so you know we find we all find our own ways to to manage that. And it sounds like for you, you poured yourself into education and learning. I did the same thing um, where I just busied myself and just didn't really try to like look at it because it was painful right yeah we have
1: have a great fear that if we the fear that the pain is going to be so big when we unpack it that we just don't want to even open the box to begin with and Mm -hmm. the truth is is it it can start with little things and it doesn't have to be overwhelming, but our system, our nervous system and our emotional system is designed to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. So anything that appears a little bit unsafe, it throws up the red flags and says, halt, we're not going
0: there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense why like our human brain like does that, where it's like, oh man, like it's trying to like protect us. But at the same time, if we don't manage those emotions and actually release them, which you said a couple of times, it's just going to fester and just become these outbursts, um, whether you're, you know, a kid in the classroom or an adult, like having a conversation with someone, right? Um, So I think that this would be a great time to actually define trauma since we have brought it up. And so that way people can understand deeper, like what we're talking about, where we're leading.
1: So first I want to give this perspective before I define trauma, because I think it will help um, people understand it a little bit better. We, as a human have three main parts that function as in this world, we have the heart part of us, which I call the spirit. It's kind of the the main feelings and desires and things we sort of operate out from that heart piece of us is the most internal piece. Some people will say that they have feelings of intuition or in their gut. That's kind of that spirit piece of them, their being. Mm-hmm. And that is connected actually scientifically, if we study it out from brain waves, connect that heart spirit part of us to our soul. Mm -hmm. which is our mind, will, and emotions. It's the thing that hangs out between our ears. It's stored in our brain. Mm -hmm. So that mind, will, and emotions has an actual brainwave connection to our spirit. But then that mind, so our spirit is connected to our soul and Mm -hmm. that those pieces are connected to our body. And so typically what happens um, is we have an experience that we experience in our heart and that wounding or or event is stored in our heart. Mm -hmm. And then our mind is the logic piece of things that tries to reason through things. And then the body is kind of like the, uh, the ultimate house of it all. Mm -hmm. And so trauma is something that for those that don't know, the reason we have diagnosis related to trauma and things like that is they needed money to study it a long time ago. So they gave it, um, the term of a disorder but what it actually is is an injury mm-hmm. to our system mm-hmm. and the injury to our system is caused because we have experienced a break or um, a severation in our relationship or expectation with another person or situation mm-hmm. so for example some people say well I have trauma from a car accident well you expected to have a normal car ride to work and the event happened where you were in a car accident so it caused a break in that expectation or situation or event mm-hmm. and that in our brains in our minds actually we have two two types of memories in what we store and one is our linguistic memory it's our it's the story part of our memory It's the narrative part of our memory. And then we have that experiential emotional side of our memory. And those two things for everything that we experience go together like a zipper Mm -hmm. and they tell the story of what happened and how we felt and what we perceived through it. When you experience that break, those two unzip themselves Mm -hmm. and they are stored in separate compartments almost. So that trauma has occurred because those things have unzipped themselves and the beauty of it is is that even though it was an injury it can heal and part of the healing process is zipping those two things back together in our mind mm-hmm. and repairing any pain that we've experienced from the heart side of things and trauma is because it's caused from that break in relationship or expectation can be healed through relationships mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the biggest pieces that we haven't spent the most time talking about is that good supportive relationships, whether that's even the relationship we have with ourselves, or with healthy support system or practitioners or things like that can allow those
0: injuries inside of us to heal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What really stood out to me was this visual that you created of like the narrative piece of that trauma, like story and then the experiential part. And that also includes like more the emotional side. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so it shows up a lot of times people will say, oh, I have nightmares or I have like, so I have nightmares or I have intrusive thoughts or things that come in. That's actually our body's signal to us to say, hey, we need to take care of this. We need to put it back together in its right place. So nightmares, night terrors, like intrusive dreams, things that wake us up. Is that peace trying to escape? The other thing is that we can experience body responses. Maybe we have a lot of shaking in our body. Maybe we have um, extreme like heart palpitations in our body, pain in our body. We have headaches, things like that it's our system, our nervous system saying, I have this stored energy related to this experience and it needs put together with something. I need to repair it. Mm -hmm. And so when we can begin to tell our story in a safe space and we create safe body kind of ways to calm ourselves and tell our story and put it together with those experiences, our, our system will actually let go of those trauma responses that are stored in our body.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: Anytime we experience that our heart experiences a wound, I say it's kind of like, you know, your heart got a cut and it's the same way as if your hand would get a cut, right? Most of us don't actively take time to acknowledge it and heal with it. And so then what happens is our mind gets involved. And it's kind of like a big sibling, uh, somebody that looks out for us and says, Oh, I have all these ideas of ways you can fix it. Mm-hmm. And it throws all these fabulous thoughts at us. Actually, they're not so fabulous. But the truth yeah. is, is like, well, it, it's because you did this, or you said this, or if you would have been this, or have you tried this, or you need to do this. It literally is kind of like throwing a bunch of information at somebody and trying to figure out. Like, how do I handle a cut? <laughs> Throwing a bunch of paperwork at us and say, here's all the solutions you can use to fix your cut. Mm-hmm. And so the heart is like, I don't know. I don't want to do any of that. It just hurts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we do that for so long. And then the body is kind of like the ultimate overseer. Big sibling is like, listen, I am done with the two of you arguing. <laughs> back and forth." trying to fix this problem i'm shutting this party down and it gets involved and it's like that's when we fear experience the most physical symptoms where we have heart palpitations or we have headaches or chest pain or some stomach digestion because when we experience trauma in our system our adrenaline and cortisol in our body actually rushes to our arms and legs and because it's like hey you need to save yourself the goal is to get out alive right yeah But the truth is, is it also puts into sleep mode, um, our digestive system and Mm -hmm. for, for women listening, it does it for men too, but women notice it on a bigger scale. It puts to sleep mode, our reproductive system Mm because we don't need to have any feminine stuff taken over and using up energy. If we're trying to stay alive, so it can affect our cycles and it can, it can affect our hormones and how we function. Yeah. Um, so many women that experience things in that area. That's why they say if you're having struggles, you need to address your stress. Um, struggles with female pro- problems, yeah. you need to look at your stress because that actually shuts that system down when we're in a stress trauma response or yeah. puts it into sleep. So um, we're working the body is like, I need you to pay attention. I need you to pay attention. Like this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we do then is we go to the doctor or somebody to help treat the physical symptoms instead of what we need to do. And that's to go all the way back to the heart and say, you're upset. You got hurt. Let's deal with the hurt. When we do that, the way the heart talk to the heart in its own language our physical symptoms resolve, our mind calms down and we can begin to heal.
0: I love that you gave voice to all of those pieces of like the body, the heart and, and the, yeah. the mind and giving them that like airtime, like how they kind of interact with each other. But I, I see that happens so much with, you know, you had mentioned going to the doctor for like physical symptoms and like, well, I just need this physical symptom like treated. Right. And it's, it's so much deeper than that. And the way that our our culture treats things is like, oh, just, you know, they look at that physical symptom, they treat said symptom, um, instead of actually digging down to that more deeper issue, which is oftentimes causing it.
1: Yeah. I always ask, you know, somebody that's experiencing those physical symptoms. When did you start experiencing them? Tell me about your life at that time. What was happening? What was going on? And almost yeah. every time it's because some event or situation happened or a break in a relationship happened. They had a fight. Somebody said something to them. And sometimes it is minor, but it's triggered something that occurred when they were four or five or whatever. Right. And their body's going back to that stage to keep them safe because it wasn't dealt with from that stage.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've actually had that experience too. Now that I've become like more aware of like, just how things come out, like as like just experiences that we've had when we were younger. And there was an experience I had where I was like really mad at an ex-boyfriend that I had. And I was like screaming at him. And in that moment, I said to myself, like, this has happened before. Like, this is not the same, like, this is not the first time I've had this reaction. And in that moment, I recognized that it wasn't actually him and the situation going on. That was actually what was really going on. It was like me and my four-year-old body like screaming for attention and not feeling like validated. It was like the craziest thing, but I was like, what just happened? Right. Like I had already built the awareness to understand that like a lot of the things that we're dealing with today are a lot of times patterns from our, our childhood and things that we picked up and they get amplified what I've realized. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. They get amplified in relationships, specifically romantic ones.
1: Yeah, because I think a lot of times we're looking the heart is still looking to resolve the pain it felt from that relationship so it's seeking out other relationships to heal it. So if we had um in we've had like tra- trauma from a relationship like from a father figure for instance, mm-hmm. it's going to look for another male that mm-hmm. may have the same characteristics or tendencies in order for us to kind of create a healthy scenario one to convince ourselves that we're not bad or wrong that we deserve to have healthy relationships when that's not necessarily the way to do that but we enter in these relationships trying to repair the damage the injury that we've sustained a long time ago Mm -hmm. so it's like i kind of explain it to this if you're having a hard time at a job per se per se and you're having a hard time getting along with your boss you're like i just need a new environment People yeah. will go to a new job and they're going to still experience problems with their boss and mm-hmm. the new job, because the problem doesn't have to do with the, the boss or the job. It's really something internally inside of them that's needing resolved. And we do the same thing with any type of relationship, really. It's, it's recognizing internally, where did this start for me? What am I believing about myself? And, and what happened, what was the event or situation or continual events that happened that kind of caused me to believe that? Mm-hmm. So I always, I ask people a lot, when was the first time you remember feeling that way? What mm-hmm. was going on? You know, um, <clears throat> a lot of times people will say, well, I remember feeling that way when I was like four or five. And I'll say, what was happening in your life at that time? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not even... <clears throat> I will say this, sometimes it's not even an overt conversation or event, it's an internal expectation. So this is really important to note when we're little, we're innately born with expectations that we're going to have caregivers that love and nurture us and take care of us. Mm -hmm. And even though we fully can't conceptualize that with language, it's just innate in us. And because that's innate in us, we can recognize when we don't receive it and Mm -hmm. how our brain even as a little kid tries to fix our heart, says that if I do better, if I um, act differently, if I say different things, if I behave differently, then I'll get it. We put the responsibility on ourselves because we don't have the level of logic and reasoning to say, these people are broken. (laughs) They're treating us from a broken filter. What they're saying to me or doing around me, it's creating unsafety isn't a result of who I am or what I've done. It's Mm -hmm. just they don't have the skills or tools to do that for me. Right. So we begin to find ways to be safe for ourselves in those situations. And that's what triggers what happens when you're 26 and you're in a terrible relationship. All of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, this shows up again. I'm doing what? And that's why it's important to think about where did this start for me? What was going on? Yeah. What was I thinking and feeling and believing? You know, I do talk to kids a lot. I talk to teenagers a lot. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you like in the situation where parents get divorced, <clears throat> the number of them that feel guilty are responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how often or how it's communicated to, stu- to kids that it's not their fault and they did nothing wrong. It's just the way the logic processes in their brain. I must have said or done something wrong to cause this to happen. Mm -hmm. They don't have the connections yet to recognize that adults have their own ability to make choices in relationships. Adults have their own hurts that they have to heal from and communicate through. It has no connection to who you are. Yeah. But that that's, that's what I see repeating patterns in relationships a lot. So if you're having that it's, it's being willing to stop and saying where, where, did this thing happen to me that these memories unzipped for me mm-hmm. and we 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 do have to spend some time letting ourselves off the hook and saying like so it's kind of like <clears throat> this great courtroom that takes place in our head yeah and i i love to tell people about the courtroom <laughs> we do it without even this is how the mind helps us yeah. not in a very good actual way helping us but what happens is the mind um, will say to us, okay, we have this prosecuting attorney that's trying to work on getting this resolved for us. So Mm -hmm. they have a lot of information, a lot of facts and evidence. Usually it's false evidence. That's where we say it's fear, false evidence that appears real. Mm -hmm. They pull out parts of truth or parts of stories, parts of conversation, and they, they just accuse us all day in our head. Well, you know, you should have said it this way, or you should have done it this way, or you didn't do this. Da, 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 da. And they go through this long line laundry list of accusations, presenting all these things as facts. And because we haven't taken time to stop and examine what's in there and where the pain's coming from, we're like, that must be true. And so we hand the case right off to the judge. And the jury, the jury says, yes, you're guilty. You Mm -hmm. must be the problem. The judge issues the sentence. And then we punish ourselves with a sentence. Yeah. The problem is we never included the defense attorney in that whole Mm -hmm. loop. And the defense attorney would say, yes, but you were four years old when this happened, or you didn't have access to that information. They didn't have any tools. It's not your responsibility for your parents' choices or What happened to you? If you, I I find so much teens and adults with a lot of sexual assault or molestation or things like that, very painful situations that they endured that Mm -hmm. blame themselves. And I say to them, did you do anything morally, legally, or ethically wrong? And they're like, no, then it's not your fault that Mm -hmm. happened to you. Somebody made some choices that impacted you in a very negative way. And we never let the defense attorney stand up and say, it's not your fault.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so until we're willing to stop and kind of check that loop and allow the defense attorney to speak on our behalf, that we can say, is it really, am I really at fault here? Did I really do anything wrong? Yeah. And obviously there are some things that we do, like if you stole a bunch of groceries from the convenience store. You <laughs> right.
0: Probably not a great idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's something that's legally wrong. So you need to come back, right? Yeah. <laughs> but most, I would say like 99.9% of the people I deal with, they're like, no, I didn't do anything legally wrong. Mm-hmm. Why are you holding yourself captive then to something mm-hmm. that you didn't do? And that's really the piece that shame enters in yeah. and partners with everything to try to say hey you know like it's your fault you're bad or wrong because somebody else did this to you mm-hmm. and we keep playing that loop and we play it and we play it and we play it and what we're really searching for in those relationship pieces and the places where we continue to stay, sustain trauma or trauma continues to show up mm-hmm. is we're ultimately looking for someone to be our defense attorney yeah. and we're not engaging things for ourselves this is where we get a choice mm-hmm. to stop and step back and take an you know um a perspective to kind of let's write some things down on paper, maybe. Mm-hmm. Let's look at where is my defense? What would what would be said in my defense if I was going to speak on my behalf in my defense? What could I say that's truth about the situation that I'm not allowing in as evidence?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this entire like visual of the courtroom and finding that, that loop. And just really taking that, like finding it and then stopping it and being like, OK, um, yeah. like where is the defense attorney in this? Because yeah. like, hello, like yeah. I need to to speak forward and to, to recognize that, OK, specifically in those types of examples, like, yeah, I didn't have the tools. I was three or four or however old and I didn't do anything morally legally wrong. And I thought the last piece that you said was so interesting is that we like specifically in relationships will look to fill that position of defense attorney because we haven't learned to fill that ourselves. Yeah. Wow, that like really hit me. (laughs) And
1: sometimes the people we find aren't really good at defense. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're operating from their own set of traumas and things like that. It's, you know, I, I think that it's kind of like also keeping in mind that sometimes why that happens is because we have, we make, you know, our, our activation thought centering in our brain encounters over 70,000 thoughts a day. Mm-hmm. So some of how we function is a, is an automation. Right. And for your, your mind, your body perspective, people, they might appreciate it from this perspective. Um, we just came through this great Christmas, New Year's time. Right. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it's like, you experience all the goodness of food and the amazingness of sweets and all these things, right? And so Mm -hmm. I kind of explain to people like this. So Christmas Eve, you go to this party, you're with all your friends and you have they have your favorite dessert on hand. And so you walk up to the table and you're like, oh, but it's Christmas Eve. I'm just going to eat this one time. It'll Mm -hmm. be I will be better, you know, just let me get through the holidays kind of thing. So you say yes to a a question or a decision. You make a decision, you say yes to it. And you enjoy it and it's fine then christmas day shows shows up and you go wherever you go and you know great great aunt edna came and she brought your favorite christmas dessert right Mm -hmm. and so you're like you're like i'm not going to eat too much because i want to experience great Aunt edna's dessert i don't know how long i'll get to do that so again it's kind of this question in your brain will i have dessert and you say yes to it Mm -hmm. the day after christmas you get invited out last minute and you're going out for like coffee or drinks with your friends. It's just kind of like a final wrap up to the whole weekend or whatever. And they're like, hey, we should all split desserts. And you're like, oh, you know, like it's not Monday yet. It's not a new routine yet. Sure. Let's say I'll say yes to it. I'm not going to have a whole one. I'm just going to have some basically you've said yes to a new decision for a few days in a row. And for some things it can take a little longer, but you have said yes enough that Monday shows up and um, your coworker brings a bunch of extra leftover desserts from Christmas back to the office. And you're not even asking yourself anymore. You're just loading it on your plate and having a few bites. Mm -hmm. So you start to Automatically say yes to thoughts and to decisions that you might not have the week before. Mm-hmm. And by the next, next thing you know, you're knee deep into having dessert every single meal or every single day and justifying it. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like the fight you mentioned, it explodes on you. And you're like, wait a minute, why am I eating so much sugar? I need to change my behaviors, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and something else triggers it, maybe the environment around you or all the New Year's ads. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do this right now. And it takes some intentionality to go back and retrain your brain to say, I'm not going to say yes, every single time now. Mm-hmm. That's how we automate trauma responses and letting other people play defense for us Mm. because we might have tried it a time or two in the past, didn't have skills, didn't have tools, didn't have knowledge and information to to be a solid defense attorney for ourselves. And so we just kept saying yes to other people doing it for us or unhealthy Mm. things being presented that by the time it happens now, those decisions and thoughts are on automation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like in that food situation, it's like, oh, I'm just going to leave it up to whoever decides to bring whatever they're bringing. And then I'm just going to, I just am so used to saying yes that I don't even know if I even really want this at this point. And this is something I find with my clients. It's like when they realize, like, okay, I can actually have, like, there's no like limits on food, but I don't even know what I really want. And because they're so used to just saying yes to things and they're in that habit thought loop. And so, backing up and and finding that new thought process. It takes a lot of time. It can be a little uncomfortable.
1: And that's where, you know, um, we talk about new routines going into new year and things like that. I will say that for most, almost every person I've encountered too, What we've endured with COVID and kind of coming through that, that's a trauma also. That's thrown us off of our game. We've experienced a lot of fear and anxiety. So trauma responses that maybe we had thought we dealt with or we had started a new routine for have have been sort of re-triggered. Relationship things have been re-triggered we are operating a lot of times from just automation. Okay. The desserts here, it's showing up. I'm going to have it. The mm-hmm. fear is here. It's showing up. I'm going to engage it. I'm going to yeah. let those thoughts and things guide me because going back to where we started at the beginning, that idea of what working through pain is, is so big and fearful and is scary for us that we don't even want to start the process. Yep. And there's just not evidence to support that. There's Mm -hmm. really not. And I tell people, first of all, you're worth doing the work. You are worth finding the healing that you need, processing this pain and working through it and coming out as this healing process occurs. Yeah. Like if you have an injury to your hand and you don't pay attention to it for weeks and months, at some point, we're going to have to cut off your hand. Right.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we don't want that.
1: We don't want that. But initially paying attention and doing a few initial exercises can clean out some of that dirt and pain and put a little salve on it. It begins to internally do the work for us. Yeah. So practically speaking, I know that um, people always want to know, what does this look like? How can I start? Right? Right. So the first thing I tell people is it's really important because often what shows up last is the body. Mm-hmm. So it's important to practice calming our body down. Mm-hmm. Um, because then we can get access to the heart because the body is protecting it right now. Mm-hmm. So being intentional, um, I know that a lot of people throw this idea around of taking some deep breaths. But what that does is helps our system reset to say, I'm safe, I'm okay, I'm, not, I'm going to survive this. It helps our um, adrenaline and cortisol that are running to kind of alleviate or stop that flow or slow it down enough that our system can kind of come back on. Because we have this part of our brain or the mind called the prefrontal cortex. That's where our logic and reasoning is. And when we're in stress response or we're in trauma response, that's actually completely bypassed. We can't get into it. The computer's <laughs> locked. Right. So once we begin to calm our body down, that will come back on. The fastest way you know it's coming back on is you begin to yawn. Mm -hmm. Yawning is a sign that computer has been reactivated, restarted, you're reaccessing information. It's like you have a million tabs open and you're finally pulling the right one up. Mm -hmm. So taking some deep breaths, allowing your system to calm down um, and kind of recreate that space of I'm safe. Mm -hmm. Then I ask people, "What is my heart feeling?" You know, the four core emotions that we typically look at is anger, uh, fear, anxiety, because they're kind of coupled together, guilt, mm-hmm. shame, or sadness. And where did that start, or what happened to trigger that emotion? Mm-hmm. And then when I can identify the, the place, it started. And usually I say, okay, this originally started way back when I was then. A lot of people wanted to go, well, I this just happened right now. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. And that's the big present one. But the truth is, is that trauma response really came about because of something that happened when you were younger, mm-hmm. almost every time. So when did it happen? And kind of being able to write that story down, write it out on paper. Who were your key players? What happened? How are you thinking, feeling, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, kind of paying attention and, and kind of writing out what, what is your mind believing? What are the thoughts that keep coming up? Because that's the prosecuting attorney. Mm -hmm. And when you make that list or that mind map, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Then intentionally taking time to let your defense attorney stand out and say, here's the truth. The truth is I was three years old. I didn't have skills. The truth is my parents were very broken at the time where I was in a terrible situation. Writing out all the truths and being willing to let yourself off the hook for those things.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful. I love that you had mentioned that the body is the last to come online because it's something that people don't recognize. and. It makes so much sense the way that you describe it it's like our body is trying to protect those other things and so of yeah. course it's going to shield us from that and make it pretty hard to get to those those feelings that are really going on because its job is to protect us and i yeah. think that so many people who are going back to like the physical symptoms of how this can manifest and kind of lead us back to actually addressing what's really going on i find that a lot of people will kind of layer judgment and shame on top of those physical symptoms which maybe block them from even going deeper yeah
1: Yeah, it's like this battle back and forth i think the mind and the body get into a a little war trying to protect the heart and the intentions are all good right the intentions of all those pieces of us are all good it's really trying to help us heal everything that is showing up is a wet isn't it's like a bullhorn of saying you can heal it's okay to heal you need to do this but we get we uh, it's kind of looking at ourselves from an outside perspective and we target the things that feel the safety safest which is oftentimes starting with body symptoms we target those first it going to doctors or you know, some people were like, I just need to work out. I just need to do this. I just need to do that. And that's those things in and of themselves aren't bad or wrong, right? Um, sometimes we need a little support in working through it. But ultimately, if we never go back to the heart and really look at what is the wound, where did it occur, who, what happened with that, we won't find ultimate resolution. It will show up in some other symptoms, in some other form, in some other area of our life because mm-hmm. it's saying as it's a little kid who is crying and saying I need help mm-hmm. and I need somebody to help me that's safe mm-hmm. and we just keep doing we we're ignoring little one that's stuck in there
0: yeah yeah absolutely it can be so challenging when we're not even like as you were even talking I'm like recalling all these different scenarios in my yeah. own life of like yeah. you know you had mentioned the the example about having problems with the boss and how it's not necessarily the environment, but just a pattern that keeps getting played out. Because when you look at it, it's like, who's the common denominator? It's always you, right?
1: Right. And it could be simple things too. Like I really challenge people to think about, it It doesn't have to be big scale things. It could be things like you moved houses. Maybe Mm -hmm. you moved towns. That can be a trigger. Um, You had a sibling that was born Mm -hmm. under you. Um, You're Maybe you're you were raised in a single parent home and your mom got a new boyfriend and you like the old boyfriend, um, or vice versa, your dad got a new girlfriend or something mm-hmm. like that. It can be simple transitions. It has a lot to do with the expectations. Again, going back to, we start with these expectations. Mm-hmm. So I would, I just challenge people. It could be, a, a, I see a lot of, um, people that have damage in schools because, Um, teachers weren't kind to them and they didn't have a safe, trusted relationship with a teacher or they got bullied or made fun of from somebody. Mm -hmm. And I I do tell this to adults a lot. What other people say to you is a reflection of what's in their heart. It's not a reflection of who you are. And so that's part of that healing piece also is just because somebody says words, defense attorneys need to speak up doesn't mean it's the truth. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's
1: a perspective of their own brokenness, their own pain, their own struggles, right? Mm -hmm. So all these little things in our society as a whole is beginning to recognize more of what those things are. But it's it's dismissive of them or it's categorizing of them. And the truth is it could be any one of those things. Mm-hmm. If you want a good perspective of it and kind of how it plays out, if you haven't watched the movie Inside Out from Pixar, mm-hmm. it's a great perspective of some of the internal stuff that does happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but moving is one that I encounter a lot that kids experience and parents and people are dismissive, they'll make new friends. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're resilient, they're this, they're that. Those pieces don't matter if we don't actually help them process how it felt for them to experience that move. I encounter a lot of people who completely changed their whole personality to make friends at their new school or their new neighborhood or subdivision. And now they're in this pattern of every time I encounter a new thing, I have to create a new me, you know?
0: That's so interesting.
1: So kind of being aware it's not, it doesn't have to be this big overarching thing, it can be something little. So I just kind of ask you to really go back to when did I feel this first that I can remember was the first memory I have it and what was going on in my life at that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to those roots is, is a fantastic place to start. It's something that I like recently learned how to do like maybe three years ago now where I was like, Oh wow. Like this is something I didn't know I needed. And for all the listeners out there who might be a little bit adverse to this, because I definitely had the belief of like, I need to figure this out all on my own, because that's something that I got from my parents. And um, I still witness that in them today, which is interesting. And I've been like, hmm, like, what is what is it in you that's resisting like needing like getting help, you know, and now like, I don't see for myself, like, I need that support. And I've been so blessed to have those safe mentors in my life starting with like, I had a couple of counselors, I've had a couple of really amazing coaches who are very trauma informed and this, the safe space they gave me to just have my experience and kind of do that, that zippering effect that you had mentioned is something that like is so impactful, something I never knew I needed, but that has been so helpful.
1: Yeah. I think generationally, especially depending on what generation you grew up in, it Part of how we got to the place where we're at now, even is that generations started out when you think of generations in the depression time period, their basic skill set was we have to survive life today. You know, we have to, do we have food today to survive? Do we have a place to live today to survive? And then it transitioned into the next generation where they didn't have to worry about, do we have food today? Mm -hmm. But it still was uncomfortable. There wasn't like all these luxuries and things like that. So there was this mentality of, we don't have time to deal with crazy emotions and crazy people. We still have to work hard to maintain this, you know, not ease of life, but maintain actual survival stuff. So it wasn't basic survival. It was a little bit better, but it was still like, you have to stay engaged and work hard. So you don't have time to acknowledge emotions. And then it moved into this generation of it. Essentially every generation since that era has made it tried to make it easier for the ones coming after them. Okay. So then we have this generation of they've excelled in business and in life. They have houses, they have nice jobs, they have pension plans. And so They don't have to work as hard as their parents did, but we're still not talking about emotional things because like nobody needed to do it before us. So why do we need to do it? Right.
0: Yep. My parents' generation, I'm pretty sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then we transition into, you know, your generation, my generation, kind of that time period a little bit more where now we have access to like, nobody really worries about food. Mm -hmm. And we have access to good jobs, you need to go to school, Mm -hmm. so you can get a better job Mm -hmm. and get paid more money. But we're also going to add in some excess luxuries like cable TV and, (laughs) you know, Netflix and cell phones and some of those things. And, and experiencing that. And then we have the generation under us that doesn't ever have to worry about food, has no idea where food comes from, knows that they just go to the store and they have instant access to everything. So basic survival skills are out the window, Mm -hmm. constant distractions with social media and experiencing the best of everything, which has left them at this place where there's no sense of responsibility for anything in life. So all that they have is a ton of emotions and things about their identity because they haven't actually taken steps to be, productive or purposeful even from little kids they don't have most most kids don't have tours or activities they participate in that provide some sense of belonging even at a young age right and so we've completely spun out of control where everybody wants instantaneous access to it and my generation or your generation the ones a little bit under us are kind of like we don't know how to deal with any of this emotional stuff but we think it's important to deal with but yeah. also we don't even need to focus on survival. We need to just focus on the emotional part. Yep. And it's Kind of this, it's continuing to spiral and grow because there's no part of us that really, for the for the majority of your audience, they're not going to worry about how do I have food today? Where does food come from? And so the trauma was still occurring back in the depression. It's just, they were so focused on survival only. Yep. They didn't have time to spare to actually, need to focus on it and so as we've gotten more and more comfortable in our survival we have more and more time to allocate our attention to other things we've added on things that make it a bigger struggle to find those places and so It's really important to get support, no matter what age you are. Mm -hmm. We all have some kind of trauma we've experienced, no matter if it's big or small or in between. It does affect our relationships. We all need healing. There's nothing bad or wrong about being able to learn how to do something. Mm -hmm. We all have to go to school to learn how to do math and reading. We don't come out born that way. Mm -hmm. So it's no different. It's just learning about our unique individual self, our emotions, and our experiences And what's stuck in making us continuing, what's stuck in preventing us from functioning at full capacity.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just like blown away about how you're able to connect all the dots (laughs) when it comes to some of these things that might feel very, very new to some of my listeners. And I think the way that you were able to give so many great visuals really makes it accessible to, to anyone. And I'm just, I'm so excited to get to share this. You have, oh, I just, I just love this episode. So um, <laughs> is there any last thoughts that you have that you feel like you still want to share or that you just want to reiterate from our time together?
1: I would just say, if you had, I, I would ask every person to pause, take an overview, look at their life kind of from a timeline perspective and look at, are there behaviors, pat, are there patterns in emotions or situations that keep reoccurring? Mm-hmm. That is a sign that we need to have things that we deal with. The trauma is showing up, whether it's in relationships, job situations, businesses that we have our own or run um, in our, if we have a spouse in that relationship if with our kids, whatever, there are patterns, these things will repeat. Mm-hmm. It's normal to have be angry one day, but if we notice a pattern mm-hmm. over time and stuff keeps coming up, that's an important piece to stop and mm-hmm. say, where did this start? And what can I do to get healing? Mm-hmm. Healing is not bad or wrong. Um, there are crazy people out there in every field, no matter what field you work in, including therapy, mm-hmm. there's some woo-woo things out there. Be, it's okay to take time to find the best fit for you. Absolutely. And you know, like, just like there's trainers, like you do training and stuff like that for the physical body, not every trainer is for every person, Absolutely. You know? Not every job is for every person. So this is a search, um, an investigation to find somebody that will support the defense attorney in you. And you are worth doing the work to heal and to experience that we are wired for the parasympathetic nervous side, which is joy, peace, and satiety. That's how we're wired to operate um, in normal functioning. So you're wired to actually exist in that. And if you're not, it's okay to get healing.
0: Yes. I love it. I love it. Joy, peace, all those things. Those can be our natural state. Isn't that yeah. exciting? Yeah. I love it. So good. So where can my audience come find more about you, Jessica, and all the wonderful work that you do in the world? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I do have a website, vibrantvoice.life. Love it. Um, they can also find me on Facebook at vibrantvoice. Um, that's kind of the name of my practice and what I'm working with people on. If they want to email, they can also email vibrant voice two zero at gmail. That's vibrantvoice20 at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, that's where I show up.
0: Amazing. Well, I will have that all linked in the description of this podcast episode so people can come find you. But thank you so much for your expertise today and your storytelling and just yeah, love it all. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been so fun. Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode of the mind and body strong podcast. If you loved this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me. If you could leave a five-star rating and review or share a screenshot of the episode on your social media platforms. This helps even more women be able to find the podcast and move towards their own personal transformation or come on over to Instagram and send me a DM. Let me know what you thought of the episode, or let me know about future topics you'd love to hear here on the podcast. Sending love to you no matter where you're at in the world, my friends. Until next week, take care.